And here we go on a beautiful Thursday afternoon. This is HSK Today. Brian McCormick here, you there. Jared Justice on the other side of the glass as we talk horse hockey and get ready for the Henderson Silver Knights' final two games of their five-game road swing. They'll take on the Colorado Eagles this weekend at Budweiser Events Center for the Henderson Silver Knights looking to build off the momentum they built last weekend against the Stockton Heat, picking up three of an available four points. We'll talk about that, the uh, first leg of the road swing, including the first road victory for the Henderson Silver Knights this season. We'll also talk a little bit about, well, some of the particular players that are jumping off the page right now. That includes Pavel Dorofiev. It includes Maxim Marishev and Lucas Elvinus as well. We'll hear from rookie Lyndon McCallum and how he's adjusting to his first professional season after a really good start out of the gate. Lyndon McCallum settling in as a Henderson Silver Knight. And we'll also catch up with general manager Tim Speltz as he discusses, uh, well, again, what the Silver Knights have done lately as they've battled some roster challenges. Of course, there have been roster challenges at the AHL and the NHL level in Vegas over the last couple of weeks. And, well, that's provided opportunities for several Silver Knights alum to get into the lineup and to make an make an impact, and uh, for the Silver Knights on their end, it's it's created more opportunities for other players uh, to step up and and uh, contribute in a big way. So all that and more, as well as uh, fans on the mic, which is something that. Uh, we're going to try to institute this year. We, we did it once last year and had some fun with it. We never really got back to it, so we'll try it again. Uh, basically, I'll pick a highlight. I'll uh, send it out on social media earlier in the week, uh, which highlight we're choosing. Won't do this all the time, but every so often, just for fun. Uh, and I want to hear fan renditions, their own play-by-play calls of uh, their favorite Silver Knights moments. So all of that on a very uh, crowded HSK today as the Silver Knights get ready to head to the airport and take off for Budweiser Event Center, their first visit this season to Loveland, Colorado. If you'll remember last year, the Silver Knights made one visit to Loveland. They were supposed to play three games. They ended up playing two. The third game of that set was canceled uh, due to a false positive COVID test and was never made up. Uh, but the Silver Knights uh, won both of their visits to Loveland last season. That included Gage Quinney scoring the first hat-trick in Henderson Silver Knights history. Uh, and the Silver Knights looking for more of what they had earlier this season against the Colorado Eagles when they swept the opening weekend of the season. So let's look back to last weekend at Stockton Arena uh, for the Silver Knights. Again, they went into the weekend facing a Stockton team that was undefeated in regulation, had not lost a game uh, or had not gone a game without a point all year, 8-0-1 at the start of the weekend. Uh, And the Silver Knights gave them everything they could handle. And it was really impressive for a Henderson team that had, frankly, just a bad night, a bad outing against the San Diego Gulls on Wednesday to open the trip. And, and if you want to narrow it even tighter than that, you could even say it was it was more a bad period. The first period for the Silver Knights, uh, they could not handle the, the speed and the overwhelming pressure thrown at them by the San Diego Gulls. They were able to uh, get their feet underneath them a little bit more in the second and third period, but the, the hole they had dug for themselves was far too deep. So if you're the Silver Knights, after a game against San Diego, who at that time was last in the Western Conference, well, now you have to go and play the best team in the Western Conference in the Stockton Heat. How are you going to respond to that uh, in a building that only one team had come away from with a point this season? Well, the Silver Knights had two of their best defensive efforts and, and again, fought through a little adversity uh, in doing that as well. They had a 3-2 shootout loss on Friday, uh, and that was a game that they were leading in the third period. 
uh, before it went to the shootout, and Justin Kirkland had the only tally of the breakaway competition, but uh, a good, sturdy defensive game for the Silver Knights uh, and a good performance in the shootout from Logan Thompson. The following night for the Silver Knights, which was their third game in four days, and if you had a, a recipe for a team to go out and maybe not have their A game, you know, thir- third and four days, all on the road in two different cities. Uh, that's where you might expect a team to come out flat. While the Silver Knights have one of their best games of the season, including the resiliency factor, they were losing 3-1 in the third period, or in the second period, rather. Colt Conrad scores his first as a Silver Knight. Pavel Dorofiev ties it early in the third period. Uh, and Ben Jones with the winner in overtime. They really locked down against a very good offensive Stockton team. Limited chances, and... When you're playing a first-place team and a team that can stretch the ice like Stockton does, you're kind of in a bend-but-don't-break situation. You know you're going to give up chances. You know you're going to face uh, adversity or face instances where you know you need a big save from Logan Thompson or Dylan Ferguson. And for the Silver Knights, even even tougher for the game on, on Saturday was the fact that they had Dylan Ferguson in the first period. He was run over in a crease collision by Byron Fraze and knocked out of the game. And... Uh, is expected to likely be unavailable for the next couple days. So for Dylan Ferguson uh, to come out in the first period, now you have Logan Thompson, who's had no shortage of a workload this season, going in cold in the second period against uh, one of the best offensive teams in the American Hockey League. And Logan Thompson was nearly flawless the rest of the way, stopping 26 of 27 over 41 minutes of work. So, you know, for for the Silver Knights, from the goal line on out, they showed pushback, they showed resiliency, and they found ways to win. And we're going to talk to Tim Speltz later on in this program about that topic, about for the Silver Knights right now, you know, dealing with injuries and with call-ups right now. Uh, Paul Cotter, Sven Berchi, both called up to the Vegas Golden Knights. Of course, Vegas has had uh, Jonas Romberg and Jake LeCision on their ro- roster basically since the first week of the season as they've dealt with injuries and now uh, a little bit of COVID trouble at, uh, for the Golden Knights. This is a, a Silver Knights lineup that has been uh, a little bit depleted, and that's you know dealing with their own injuries as well. They were without Caden Korzak from the second period on on Saturday, as he has a lower body injury that he's now going to be nursing, and he will likely be unavailable for a little bit here. Um, you know, the, 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 there have been a lot of uh, a lot of tough circumstances thrown at the Silver Knights in the first couple of weeks of the season, uh, and and they've found a way to to reach down deep, find contributors, find additional players to pick up the slack, and find points. Uh, and and with that, you know, let's delve into a little bit. Uh, some of the Silver Knights are that are rolling right now, and and Lucas Elvinus comes to mind first as he's in the midst of a five-game point streak. Had a goal in Stockton over the weekend, an assist on Saturday as well. Uh, he has a goal and five points, uh, or pardon me, a goal and six points during that five-game run. Uh, and you just see for Elvinus, who who missed a couple of games early in the season due to illness, uh, non-COVID illness, just just illness. Um, you know, he, he had to to get his legs underneath him again when he came back into into the lineup just before uh, just before Halloween. And, and you know, it, it's especially when you're a playmaker like Lucas Elvin, it, it's hard to flick the switch on that. You know, the the plays are out there, but the the vision or the the legs to open up those spaces and make them happen that doesn't necessarily just instantly happen. Uh, but after a few games of getting reacclimated, we're seeing the Lucas Elvinus, uh, not even of last year, but right now looking like the Lucas Elvinus of, of two years ago, who's creating with his feet. He's creating off the power play. He's opening things up in the offensive zone uh, and, and playing with uh, with a lot of confidence. 
and uh, a player that's also you know benefiting from some of the line shuffling because of the uh, roster challenges that that we've already mentioned. As Elvinus has been seeing uh, top line time, he was with Ben Jones and Sven Berchi on uh, on Saturday. Again, right now Sven Berchi is with the Vegas Golden Knights. We'll see what the plan is for Vegas after they play the. Uh, Detroit Red Wings tonight if they have any transactions that follow that game but uh, Lucas Alvinus has taken advantage of opportunities uh, and another player who from the get-go has been among the leaders offensively for the Silver Knights it's uh, it's been Pavel Dorofiev uh, who had a goal in the third period Saturday to tie the game an important goal and and he had been you know he's had he's had such a good start to the year and the opportunities he's created you you almost lost sight of the fact that for Dorofiev he had four goals in the first three games and then went eight eight games without he didn't have a goal in eight games but he was still creating uh and over the course of the last five games he has six assists along with the goal from Saturday so it was uh, it brought to mind what Darren Elliott said when we did the television game uh, a few weeks ago on uh on uh, CW Las Vegas and he said well, Pavel Dorofiev is having a really good Cy Young start to the season. And for anyone who's not familiar with the term, you know, that's pretty much referencing, you know, someone whose goal assist line looks like a really good pitcher's line. And uh, at that time, Pavel Dorofiev was 4-0. Hit <laughs> four goals and no helpers. Uh, well, he's, he's uh, rounded out the rest of his game. And again, the, the no assist for Pavel Dorofiev, that wasn't necessarily an indication of him not being able to find teammates. It was an indication that in the early going, uh, you know, Pavel Dorofiev was scoring goals, and not many other people were besides himself and, uh, and Daniil Mirmanov. But uh, the Silver Knights have found a little bit more well-rounded uh, shape to their lineup. And, and one of the reasons why Pavel Dorofiev is creating more right now is because his linemates are creating more. He's played with Paul Cotter, who again is up with the Golden Knights right now. But Maxim Marashev uh, has had a very, very strong couple of weeks uh, and Manny Viveros spoke about Maxim Marashev earlier in the week saying that, you know, he's a player that's, that's climatizing himself to North America still. And I think we forget sometimes because he came over like, oh, well, it's been, a, it's been about a year for Maxim Marashev. He's probably got under his belt. Well, it's been less than a year. Uh, but on top of that, for Marashev, you know, it, how quickly would it take you if you moved to another country to, to feel comfortable? Not just to be able to understand things that are said to you, although that would be a challenge in its own right, but to really feel comfortable in your own skin, doing your job, performing. That takes time. Uh, but for Marashev, and I think playing with Dorofiev, and, and of course, Daniil Miramanov has a great real, a relationship with uh, Dorofiev and Marashev as well, but I think that combination has really allowed Maxim Marashev to take a deep breath, to focus on hockey, and to, uh, to, to pile together a few good events that right now have him feeling good about his game as he has a four-game point streak as well. And so much of what Marashev has been able to do and been able to produce has come off of the, the, the hard work down low, especially in the Stockton series. He and Pavel Dorofiev uh, were phenomenal below the goal line, the checking game, grinding, possession, around the perimeter, extending shifts, uh, and, and keeping the Heat defensemen pinned in their own zone for a minute, a minute 15, grinding them down, and that creates turnovers and that creates opportunities. Uh, so for the Henderson Silver Knights, uh, they've got to be very happy with what they're getting out of Maxim Marashev right now, uh, and we'll see if he and Dorofiev do stay together uh, as the season moves to Loveland. Speaking of Loveland, the Colorado Eagles, uh, for the Eagles, they're trying to 
worked their way back from what was a challenging start to the season. It was especially challenging because they started the season at the Orleans Arena and didn't have a very good time. They lost the first two games to the Silver Knights, and uh, the Silver Knights uh, had a lot of fun offensively during that weekend, scoring 11 goals against the Colorado Eagles, 10 technically. One of those was a shootout winner. But uh, for the Silver Knights, they, they had uh, good offensive success against Colorado. But this is an Eagles team now that has its legs a little bit more underneath itself and, and has uh, restored a, its lineup a little. Uh, and perhaps the most important person to, to reference for that for the Colorado Eagles is former Silver Knight Dylan Secura, who is having a tremendous first campaign in Colorado. He appeared in one game with the Avalanche earlier this season, was actually not in the Eagles lineup when the Eagles came to the Orleans Arena, so uh, provided he's still there tomorrow, uh, this will be the first time the Silver Knights see Dylan Secura across the way. Uh, and for Secure, just to give you an idea of what, what he's doing offensively, six goals, 14 points in 11 games. He has at least a point in every game but one. Uh, and he has four goals in his last six, uh, six contests. So we know what Dylan Secure is capable of, and especially on the power play, is his work from the right circle, I think, is something that the Silver Knights are really going to have their eyes on after they did a pretty good job defensively. Against the, uh, against the Stockton Heat and pretty good job in terms of, uh, of the penalty kill against Stockton. They're going to have their work cut out for them again against a Colorado team that now has Secura. Uh, for the Silver Knights, they're, they're lucky that, uh, you know, when, when God closes a door, he opens a window, but he doesn't give with both hands. Colorado has done Secura back, but they are without Alex Newhook. They are without Kiefer Sherwood, two of their most dangerous offensive weapons and certainly two of their most dangerous weapons from that opening weekend uh, at the Orleans. Both of those players right now uh, not on the Eagles line, uh, roster as they were called up to the Avalanche. So uh, that'll make things a little uh, more balanced for the, for the Silver Knights. But, uh, of course, Dylan Secura uh, still is going to be a handful. Colorado Eagles have also been actually one of the better teams this year in terms of limiting opportunities, but not in terms of stopping them. Goaltending has been a bit of an issue for the Colorado Eagles. And to give you some perspective, uh, they're 27th in the league in goals against per game. 3.62, that's not very good. But they're fifth in the league in shots against per game. They only give up a little over 27 shots a game. So they're not giving up opportunities, but they're giving up a lot of goals on minimal opportunities. And that's that's never what you want. And looking at the goaltenders that they're shuffling through right now with Trent Miner and Eustace Annanen, uh, neither of them having a great time right now as Trent Miner's save percentage is 865. He's gotten into just a couple of games over the last week. Annanen has handled the vast majority of the workload. Uh, and right now his goals against average is slightly under three, which isn't bad, but his save percentage at 895. Again, that's, that's the indication that He's not seeing a lot of shots, and when he does, they're getting by him. So for the Silver Knights, without question, as, as they got a little more balance to their attack over the course of the last week, definitely get a lot of rubber uh, on Annanen if that's who they see between the pipes. Well, I promised you that we were going to have some fun, and we're going to have it right now with uh, fans on the mic. So we decided we're going to take a look at the Ben Jones goal. That is going to be our topic for uh, – Fans on the mic for the overtime winner scored by Ben Jones. Just for a reminder, here's here's what it sounded like live on the air when it happened the other day. Miramanov, Jones, and Berti out now for Henderson. Over the line, Jones into the offensive zone. Has it in the right circle. Jones walks right to the front. He scores! Ben Jones driving to the front. It's an overtime winner. 
and the Silver Knights pick up a 4-3 victory in Stockton to snap the heat-winning streak. All right, so that's my effort. Uh, and now let's hear from a couple of fans, and we've had two submissions. Uh, if anyone else sent theirs in, uh, uh, unfortunately we got in just a little uh, a little late. So first we're going to hear from Stephen Paletti, uh, who this one was fun. He, it's uh, a whisper goal call. Uh, I think it's because he did it at uh, like at night. I, I think he was trying not to wake up his wife. Uh, and he might be, I think he said he was Australian. This, is, this might be from across the pond, but let's hear what Stephen Paletti had. Ben Jones coming in towards the bottom of the circle, back in towards the center of the ice, takes the shot, it's over the goalie's shoulder, and into the top right corner, 4-3 is your final here in Stockton, Ben Jones with the OT game winner. Okay, Stephen, not bad, that was pretty darn good. Uh, now we're going to hear our second uh, submission, which came from Douglas57. Douglas57, go. And Ben Jones appears to have sprouted wings as he comes towards the goal, and he scores! Ben Jones, the OT winner! And that'll send the Henderson Silver Knights to a 4-3 victory. All right. That is fans on the mic. Good effort, everybody, and uh, we'll, we'll try that again soon. That That's a good time. We'll step aside, and when we come back, we'll... Be ready with Lyndon McCallum, Silver Knights rookie. That's straight ahead on HSK Today on 1230 The Game, the Silver Knights Radio Network. Back on HSK Today, Henderson Silver Knights getting set to take on the Colorado Eagles for two games in Loveland this weekend. We're joined by rookie Lyndon McCallum. Uh, Lyndon, thanks for taking a few minutes. How you been doing lately? Uh, I've been doing good, thanks, Brian. You know, uh really uh, enjoying uh, kind of my time in Henderson and and now that I'm settled and everything um you know it's it's been uh, it's been an awesome transition this is your first pro season uh, with the Henderson Silver Knights and you uh, you had four points in your first three games you scored in your rookie debut I'd say that's a pretty good way to break the ice how was your uh, your introduction getting acclimated to pro hockey over the first couple of months yeah for sure I mean I think it was it was pretty exciting um uh you know, to start off like, uh, that, um, you know, it was obviously, uh, pretty special, but, um, I mean, I think that, you know, I've kind of maybe been a little bit uh, cooler here as of late. And so kind of want to, you know, just try and uh, reset and, and get things, uh, back rolling the, the way that they were. And that is part of adjusting to a new level of play, obviously you're, you're learning as things go, but, you know, what have the coaches said to you? What, what has been the, the direction that you've been given over these first 10 games or so as, as you're finding your, your touch at the pro level? You know, I think that just, you know, to make sure that you're, you're focusing on, on doing the details right and, uh, you know, trying to play within the team system is uh, really important. And I think that, you know, obviously, um, you know, they've kind of, been good and making me realize that you know it, it is a new level and and you know when you start out obviously that there's going to be some challenges and and whatnot so I think that just kind of staying the course and staying with it and uh you know working through some some kinks maybe and understanding that you know your first year pro is going to be uh come along with some challenges and but if you stick with it you know you can you can get through those for fans who had been paying attention to your career prior to joining the silver Knights, they might not have been all that surprised that you scored on opening day. I mean, for some people they'd say, Oh, look at this kid. He's getting right off, uh, you know, right away. But you had scored in each game of the preseason. You had scored in two of the three games of the rookie tournament. 
And of course, last year you had the, the best goal scoring season of anybody in the Western Hockey League. So you've been used to scoring goals. You've, you've probably expected that of yourself for about a, a year now. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that, you know, for me, um, obviously I love to score goals, but I think it, it is uh, a byproduct of doing the right things every day. And, uh, you know, then come game time, you know, going to the right areas on the ice, you know, being willing to go to the net and, uh, you know, get to the dirty areas and, and also finding those soft spots. So I think that for me, definitely want to be a goal scorer, but at the same time, I know that sometimes I need to just not really worry about the results and, and just make sure that I'm doing the right things. We're with Lyndon McCallum, you know, Lyndon for any player, it's going to be a challenge to, to find a rhythm when you're playing with different line mates all the time uh, for a rookie, especially I would imagine that's the case, but for this year, you guys as a team, you've had all kinds of roster upheaval, both because of injuries for you guys and also what the Vegas Golden Knights have been going through on their end. So, you know, what challenges it posed for you and, and some of the other younger guys trying to find some sort of rhythm when there's been so much change day after day? Uh, you know, I mean, obviously, yeah, when you're playing with new line mates, you know, there might be some kinks and whatnot if you're just not quite as used to playing with guys or where they're going to be on the ice or, um, you know, the chemistry might not quite be there. But I think for the most part that, you know, uh, when you get to this level, everyone's a great player. And, and so no matter who you're playing with, I think that, you know, if you support each other and do the right things, then um, you're going to be able to, to find success together as a line. And so I think that, you know, that's just kind of got to be the approach is just that, you know, whoever you get thrown with their with, basically do your job and, and you're trusting that other guys are going to do their jobs as well. And, and that's when things come together. You started the year on a professional tryout agreement. You turned that into an AHL contract. How uh, was it rewarding or what was the, the, the reaction to, to when you actually put pen to paper and, and got that solidified? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that obviously, you know, it was exciting for me and my family to, to sign my first professional contract. And I think that, you know, obviously when I came here in the fall, um, you know, and all throughout the summer, um, I went as a free agent without signing. So I think in my head that, you know, I knew that that's where I wanted to be. And, and I knew that I wanted to get some form of a pro deal. So, um, yeah, when I, when that happened, obviously I was excited and, and, um, you know, felt like I was glad that I kind of made things happen for myself, but at the same time, you know, that chapter kind of now is done and, and now it kind of shifts into, uh, you know, having as, as good of a season as I can here in Henderson. Lyndon, you're a, a Manitoba kid. Uh, you spent your teen years in Brandon, played for the Brandon Wheat Kings. We often laugh that, uh, that there's no shortage of Brandon Wheat Kings alumni in the VGK organization. When you finished your last year of junior, uh, was Vegas one of the organizations that you thought of as, as a possible landing spot before you had any real contact? Uh, you know, I mean, I really didn't know. I, I just kind of went off what my agent um, was saying and, and, you know, he was obviously talking with, you know, uh, quite a few teams. And so um, when he did tell me that Vegas was one of them, I, you know, it kind of spiked my interest obviously. And, and um, yeah, then sure enough, uh, this is where I ended up. So that was pretty cool. Last year on Brandon, you had 21 goals in 22 games that led the Western hockey league. What was, what was the motivation, the fire for you? Because I would think it was a, a show yourself kind of year. You, you want to make a case to, to play pro hockey, but you were having that season in the midst of the most unusual season that any of us have ever experienced. So I imagine there was a combination of, 
of urgency, but also maybe some some pressure to have the kind of year that you did? Yeah, I think, you know, for me, the the pressure that I put on myself um, was just to kind of, you know, do the right things every day and uh, stick to kind of the plan that I had in place for myself and not really worry about what the results were going to be, but to just kind of stick with that throughout the two months there in the bubble and trust that, you know, if I, if I could kind of hold myself accountable to those things that everything else would kind of look after itself. And so I think that was my approach and, and that made it easy to just on a day-to-day basis, do the things that I needed to do. We're with Lyndon McCallum. Uh, Lyndon, how are you adjusting to the the off-ice aspect of, of playing pro hockey? We often laugh at the college kids, like, oh, there's no homework anymore. Like, in the Western Hockey League, I don't think yeah. you dealt with that. But I'm sure there's you get to enjoy your downtime a little differently now than you did when you were in Brandon. Yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously, um, you know, it's kind of the first time, actually, for me, as because I was fortunate enough to play my junior in my hometown that, that I've been living away from home. And so that's obviously uh, been an adjustment, but I'm definitely, you know, enjoying it. And, and I have a great roommate and a great guy, obviously, and Ian McCosh. And so, you know, there's, there's definitely no shortage of things to do here, whether, you know, it's, it's golfing or hanging out by the pool or just enjoying the weather. And, and there's lots of things to do in Vegas and great restaurants and, and whatnot. So, we definitely haven't had uh, any trouble kind of filling our time. That's for sure. Living on your own for the first time. Are you a, uh, a domestic person? Are you good in the kitchen? Are you good in the laundry room? Or are you having to, to teach yourself on the, on the fly? I'm, uh, I'm pretty good in the kitchen. I will say um, definitely uh, can, can cook if I need to. Um, I would say that maybe uh, on the laundry aspect, sometimes I, let uh, let the laundry pile uh, grow to a pretty large size before I finally have to uh, give in and and do a few loads. So, yeah, no, I'm uh, I'm I'm surviving. Put it that way. Also, because just as I'm getting to know you, I'm getting to know Ian McCaution as well. It's his first year in the organization, and you know he has a pretty all business demeanor. So I imagine he keeps you on the straight and narrow. Yeah, he's a he's a great guy. Um, I mean, I think that you know, obviously he's a little bit older than me. And so it's kind of nice to live with someone that has already had some, some pro experiences and, and at the NHL level for him also. So I think, you know, he's a guy that's been where I want to be and, and it's nice to uh, kind of just have him there if, if I have questions or whatnot, but at the same time, he's a, he's a pretty good guy too. Uh, you know, behind closed doors, he likes to, he likes to laugh and joke around too. So, you know, it, uh, it's been a lot of fun. We're with Lyndon McCallum. Lyndon, what, uh, what hobbies do you have outside of hockey? Were you uh, musical growing up? Did you draw? No, I, uh, I really uh, enjoy golfing. Um, and so obviously first year living somewhere where they don't really get snow or, or uh, too cold of weather. So I'm, I'm looking forward to being able to golf here kind of throughout the season and, and, uh, yeah, just kind of spending as much time as I can uh, out on the golf course. That's kind of where, where I like to get away from the game and, and just enjoy myself. Now you enjoy it, but are you good at it? Because I'd be intimidated to get started. The, the golf outing from last month, I saw Ben Jones. I saw Reed Duke. I was like, you know what? I can't play with these guys. This is not a learning group. <laughs> I would say that I, uh, I'm i not too bad at all. Yeah, um, you know, I kind of got into it, um, you know, a few years ago. And, and there's some... Uh, 
real good golfers that I play with back in Brandon. Some of my buddies are, are scratch golfers. And so playing with them has kind of elevated my game over the past year or two. So I would say that I, yeah, I can hold my own now for sure. All right. We'll, we'll do a few fun questions and we'll let you go. If Lyndon McCallum was not playing hockey for a living, he would be doing what? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I might be an engineer, to be honest with you. Kind of a math guy. And, uh, you <laughs> did know. You, did, did you delve into that in any way whatsoever? Or are you just saying, eh, I, I probably would have figured that out at some point. No, I mean, I, I definitely um, thought about that when I was younger. Um, and then, you know, I would say that that would be a place where I could have, like, could have seen myself enjoying a career in that. But at the same time, uh, you know, I do really enjoy uh, sports and, uh, you know, kind of like the, the training side of sports and the, you know, the physical therapy side of things. My sister's actually just about graduated with her uh, physiotherapy degree. So that would be another area that I could potentially see myself uh, enjoying. What is something that you think you're really good at that everyone else says you're not good at? Uh, I think that I'm pretty good at uh, magic tricks, but, you know, maybe they're a little bit basic. I don't get enough credit for them, I don't think. Are magic tricks like, like card tricks, or can you do some really uh, impressive stuff? I would say I can do a few card tricks and I can, you know, kind of make a pencil disappear out my nose, those kind of things. Um, nothing crazy, but you know, to me, it, it's, it's good enough. These are the moments where I hate that we're doing this on radio. I'd like to make you prove that. Yeah. How'd you pick that up? Was that summer camp or? Uh, I would say, no, that was a little bit of YouTube boredom. So, so anyone can do this. Uh, no, I wouldn't say anyone can do it. It takes, uh, it takes pretty high amount of talent there, Brian. Years, years and years of YouTubing before you yes, can make the pencil exa disappear. Exactly. We'll make you prove it over the, over the weekend. Uh, <laughs> you, you don't have kids, but for the sake of this hypothetical, if you did, which teammate would you trust to babysit? Who's the most responsible silver knight? Oh, wow. Well, you know, I think my roomie there, um, Ian would be a, a good place to start. He's a, uh, he's a pretty mature guy. He's, he's pretty put together. So I'd probably, probably say him. We'll have to have him on the show next week to see if he agrees. Uh, <laughs> Lyndon, before we let you go, uh, this weekend, two games against Colorado, you face the Eagles the first weekend of the season. So obviously it's been a little bit of time, but, uh, what do you expect in Loveland? Uh, I mean, we know that they're a very fast and skilled team and, and they have guys that like to really kind of hold on to pucks and try and, and make plays. And and so we're going to have to be ready to defend hard. And and I think that, you know, if we do that together as a five-man unit, then, um, you know, that's going to open things up for us uh, offensively. Lyndon, great talking. I appreciate you coming on and uh, we'll talk to you again real soon. Thanks. Appreciate it, Brian. That's Lyndon McKellen for, for the Henderson Silver Knights. We'll step aside. When we come back, we'll hear from general manager Tim Spelt on HSK Today on 1230 The Game, the Henderson Silver Knights Radio Network. Back on HSK Today, we're with Silver Knights general manager Tim Speltz. Tim, thanks for taking a few moments. Appreciate it. Thank you, Brian. Glad to be here. So, and perhaps our audience can hear in the background, as we record this interview, we're actually watching practice uh, as we do so. And 
Tim, for fans, I want they know you uh, pay attention to practice, of course. Coaches pay attention to practice, but the players practice every day. What exactly are you looking for on a day-to-day basis? Well, I think more than anything for me, I, I just try to look at players and, and uh, watch, you know, if they're progressing and what they're doing. I mean, nobody's going to practice perfect every day, but at the same time, there's guys that definitely take steps. And, and watching the young guys mostly and just try to watch and, and find guys doing things right. And, and uh, I think you see at practice, sometimes guys have got a little extra jump. They're able to maybe put a few more pucks in the net. They're able to score. And I always find that, that the practice game at some point is going to transition to the, to the game day. And then when that happens, uh, you see guys take steps. And I think when they are doing things right in practice, let's say scoring, I mean, all of a sudden now that's going to happen. That's going to come and be a part of their game day as well. Well, you guys have had a few practice days since last weekend in Stockton, a little time to, to recuperate. But let's look back to that last weekend if we can. You know, after a, uh, a rough first period in San Diego, the rest of that game wasn't too bad. But, you know, you guys went and played a Stockton Heat team that uh, was undefeated in regulation this season, and you found a way to take three points out of that weekend. You must have been very happy with the result. Well, it's, it's so interesting with our group right now. You know, we don't have the depth that we're going to have. And I think there can be a lot of, you know, peaks and valleys in our game right now. Uh, that said, we have, to, we have to make good at the peaks. We have to find ways to, to score when we are going good. And then we have to make sure our, our valleys are minimal if we can. Our goaltending has been excellent and that's helped us get through a lot of that. But I, you know, I agree with exactly what you said. We didn't have a great first period in San Diego. We found a way to, you know, battle back in that game. and, and I don't think we ever were going to win. I sure didn't have that feel watching it. We got close a couple of times, but we didn't quit. And that was the main thing. We, you know, I thought we got better in the second and third period. And, and that was obviously obviously what helped us carry forward to, to Friday and Saturday. You guys, again, got points uh, on Friday night, a shootout loss to Stockton. Saturday night, you guys had an overtime win. Is there a part, especially early in the season, for a team learning how to win those kinds of games, games where there's really a, a razor-thin margin for error? Well, you know, it's interesting. As much as it's an, e- an early season and, and uh, you know, they, they, we've still got a lot in front of us, that was our first win on the road, you know. So we'd, we'd been close. Uh, we'd lost, uh, you know, a game in overtime. We'd lost a game in a shootout. And then to win in overtime, you know, what we're finding is the games in just about every game in the league is very close. Like very often or very, very seldom do you see a, a game where the goaltending isn't goaltender isn't pulled at the end of the game at one end or the other unless it's a tie game of course and then it's going to overtime so that's how close the games have been it's always good to win always good to come out on the right side uh you do get a you know a warm and fuzzy point for for an overtime or a shoot or a loss but it doesn't feel the same as a win we're a general manager tim speltz tim you've been busy over the course of the first few weeks of the season just because of what's gone on with the golden knights and their roster situation as well as here in henderson there's been a lot of shuffling how have you been able to uh to adjust to the curveballs thrown and also for this team again to continue to put up points with uh, ever-changing numbers well for the team to pull off points i mean that's uh you know a tribute to uh, credit to the guys and, and to the coaching staff uh, the commitment and then the hard work that, that they've put in uh with regard to i mean we, we have to be flexible uh when it comes to player movement i mean there's Injuries that have always been a part of the, you know, the game. And now with COVID, uh, another challenge. And, and uh, you know, for us, I mean, we just have to accept it as it comes. Uh, we've tried to look at it as an opportunity, especially for our young players. 
uh, we expect to be a, a lot better hockey team moving forward because our young guys have had the experiences they've been going through uh, with uh, you know a, a less of a lineup and, and our players with uh, with VGK and, and at the same time I mean it's great to see uh, you know what we think could be our players possibly uh, whether it's Jake Lesition, Paul Cotter, uh, Jonas Ronberg up there and contributing and scoring and getting valuable minutes I mean that that's uh, great to see and it, it's good for us uh, thinking those guys could be coming back at some point. You know, we saw last year as well, of course, when COVID was much uh, more on the radar for everybody. You know, we saw with the taxi squad, players called up. There were players who got opportunities to have augmented roles, even last year. Uh, I think Paul Cotter and Ben Jones are two players who kind of blossomed a little bit offensively, started to with, with larger roles like that. Is there an element for players not just having more opportunity, but do when they get those opportunities, do they learn more about themselves? Will a player have the opportunity to say, like, you know what, I am a goal scorer at this level? Well, I think, you know, to that point, yes. Uh, you know, you, you look at players, they, they, everybody wants to play at the highest level they, they can play at. And the key being is play and contribute. And, and whether it's an East Coast League player that we've brought up, I mean, now can he contribute? And, and is he a better player because he's been here? Yes, he is. Our players are, are the same when they get more of a role. And all of a sudden, I mean, you saw with, with Ben Jones the other night, uh, Saturday night, he was playing very well. Uh, man, he played him lots, and, and uh, he found the way to, you know, even with the minutes he played, scored the overtime winner, and that was, you know, opportunity that Ben probably to this point hasn't had in the American Hockey League yet and made the most of it. So there's no way Ben can be anything but confident after a game like that, and that's going to help him moving forward. Now, we're not saying that that's automatic and he's just going to take that step and he'll be that player forever, but he knows he can do it and the coaches know he can do it, and, and that's something now that he has to work toward and bring that all the time. And every player, that's just one example, but every player is going to get the same opportunity at some point. When they get the opportunity, they have to be ready. General Manager Tim Speltz. A couple of players look like they're really finding their stride right now, and let, let's cover a couple of them. For one, uh, Maxim Marashev, who came over from Russia last year, got some AHL experience. Uh, over the last four games, is starting to put up points, and, and head coach Mayavivro says looks more, more comfortable in his own skin. Well, I mean, as, as tough as it is for any player to, to come to another level, you know, just add to it, uh, you're coming to a new country. Uh, you're coming to a whole new culture. You're coming to a, a whole new language. And so it's been, you know, it's very difficult for those players. And, and it's great to see, you know, the steps that Max has taken. Uh, there's no question. And, and again, a, another player that as he does take those steps, you see the confidence. You see, you know, that he gets better. And, and uh, it's, it's one of those things that is very rewarding, uh, you know, as a manager for sure, but for sure for the coaching staff because, they see it. It's there in practice. You see it sometimes, and as it you know is there more and more and more consistently, uh, it is just very rewarding for everybody. And a lot of that applies to Pavel Dorofiev as well, who scored uh, regularly coming out of the gate. Scored again on Saturday in Stockton, but uh, assists over the last handful of games as well. A well-rounded game from him right now. Well, and we talked about Pav in uh, Tucson, one of my first interviews in in uh, the preseason game. How. You know, he when he does score, he lights up, and 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 the confidence that that guy has, and the same way when he doesn't, he you know, I mean, he always generates offense. It seems like he doesn't always score, and he's going to learn that, you know, you're not always going to score. But when you are generating offense and creating chances, uh, you know, number one, it, it you're winning your shifts probably, and you're getting the other team on their heels. 
uh, and that's what you have to work towards. And, and uh, you know, if a guy like Pav, if he ever stops getting chances, that's when there's going to be concerns. He hasn't scored every game, but he sure gets chances every game. How about Jermaine Lowen? Fans in the last homestand saw him drop the gloves. That's what they're used to seeing from him over the last couple of seasons. But in a span of about seven games, he's put up as many points as he had in the first 60 games of his career. That's been a new side of him we've seen this year. Yeah, and, and I don't think, you know, again, confidence is part of that. There's no question with Jermaine, but I think opportunity is a big part. And the opportunity that, that, uh, that Jermaine's getting, he's earned. And he's earned it with, you know, real hard work and practice. He's worked for... You know, countless hours with uh, with Joel Ward on the boards, working with in the defensive zone, uh, corralling pucks, getting pucks out, making plays with pucks, and that's important. And that was a big part of his game. Uh, he does have that physical element. He's a huge man. He's there to look after his teammates. But every player needs to play, and uh, he's played valuable minutes for us. And with those valuable minutes, has has come improvement. And uh, yet, Jermaine has worked very hard on his game. Uh, what we're watching today, practice to make it work, and now it's starting to transition to game, and it's been, a, again, very good for, for our team. There's no question about it. That's a valuable dimension for us. Uh, there's no question Colt Conrad is a very complete, responsible player who has helped Jermaine. They've kind of, they, they've been uh, peanut butter and jam, so to speak, when they've been put together. They've, they've, been, uh, they've been a really good fit, and uh, that's part of it, I think, but at the same time, you know, you talk about guys taking step and improving, and we've sure seen that from Jermaine. You mentioned Cole Conrad, Jermaine. We can touch on the player who had been the third member of that line for much of the last couple of weeks was Peter Dillabatori, who moved back to the blue line last weekend. When I asked Peter about his experience playing forward, he said he wasn't sure he ever had, but he did such a good job of it. Why was that a role that you guys thought he would be able to fill and, and that he did a good job of? Well, I think the two things that the, the coaches thought were his uh, mobility, firstly, his skating ability and his mobility, and then his skill level. I think he's, you know, he can, he's got both of those dimensions, and I think that will, you know, would help him transition. Uh, I think, you know, when we looked at it, we didn't look at it and say, who's our best defender? We looked and say, who could be the best, you know, playing forward? We needed somebody that could generate offense. And uh, Dilly stepped up, and, and he accepted that role. Uh, I think, you know, when you saw him last Saturday when he was back on D, you know, I think his game has blossomed a little bit, the offensive part. I mean, he shoots the puck with a purpose, uh, and, I mean, that's going to be valuable for us. Uh, we think he's going to generate, hopefully, a similar amount of offense from the back end that he did uh, playing up front. So, you know, number one, a credit to him that he was able to help out his team uh, when we needed him. And then, uh, as I say, I mean, he's got uh, an offensive dimension. He's got very good mobility. Uh, and that combined with his skill is, is going to make him, I think, uh, a threat from the, from the back end. And, and we need that for sure. You guys are going to wrap up this string of five road games this weekend in Loveland. You saw the Colorado Eagles the first weekend of the season, but no team is the same as they were on opening weekend. They've gotten their legs under them a little bit. What do you anticipate in Loveland? Well, it's tough. You know, it's tough to pre-scout and be prepared for teams. I mean, you don't know, you know, where they're going to be till you know, probably we get there and we see what they have in their lineup. We're quite a bit different than we were even then. We've got some players back, but we've still got some different players out. So, I mean, for us right now at this time of year, Brian, quite frankly, it's about us preparing our own team. Uh, you know, I, I think what we saw from them and what I remember most is that how with the speed that they had, I don't expect that's going to change very much. They're a very hot, fast hockey team. Uh, last time, as much as we won both games, we were, you know, outshot badly in one game, I do remember. So 
I mean, I think that is something where our D is better. We want to play less time in our own end. Uh, but we, I think right now, are, are preparing our own club more than preparing for the other team. Do you have your winter coat packed for Denver in November? I do have a heavier coat. I got, uh, even when you say that, I did get... Uh, I did get caught in Stockton at that rink with a with under underdressed to say the least. Chair Manager Tim Speltz, thanks for your time. We appreciate it. Good luck this weekend. Thanks, Brian. The Silver Knights are going to return home to the Orleans Arena to face the Iowa Wild twice on November the 27th and November the 28th, both afternoon games, noon on the 27th and 1 p.m on the 28th and again for silver knights fans not a ton of opportunities to see the silver knights in person unless you want to travel those will be their only two home games until they face the abbotsford canucks at the orleans on december the 18th so now is the time to get your silver knights tickets now is the time uh if you uh, have anyone in your life you need to buy a, a gift for this time of year time to get on it now silver knights will be back uh, at the orleans and for single game tickets you can go on to hendersonsilvernights.com Henderson at SilverKnights.com to get your Silver Knights seats. That'll do it for this afternoon's edition of HSK Today. Special thanks to Lyndon McCallum and General Manager Tim Speltz for joining us. Silver Knights will be on the ice to take on the Colorado Eagles tomorrow night at Budweiser Event Center and Saturday as well. Both games starting at 6.05 Pacific Time will be on the air at 5.30 Pacific Time here on 12.30 The Game with pre-game coverage. I'm Brian McCormick. Thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you next week on HSK Today.